0: Hello and welcome to episode 30 of Yagmov Soap Opera, the classic-related podcast brought to you, the community. I'm Andy, and I'm joined by regular co-hosts George and Zach. We'd like to thank PureMTGO.com for hosting us and MTGOTraders.com for sponsoring us. And we're going to jump straight in by having a look at the tournament results from last week. So, George, over to you.
1: All right. So, on this 12th, we fired an event. It was Saturday. Uh, 16 players. We've got five lists. Um... There is a new Illusions Fish List. There is a Green-White Hate List. A Good Game Oath. A Shop Deck with Slash Panthers. And rounding it all out, we have a Dark Confidant Control, Mana Drain, Planeswalker, Time Vault Deck.
2: Yeah, yeah. And uh, of those... Um we're We're probably relatively used to seeing uh, most of them. I think the Illusions deck is probably the newest of the top finishing decks here, and this is one that I kind of made fun of last week, but it looks like once again Excorpio Scorpio's showing me up here and going four-0 with the list. Do you guys uh, like this list? Think it was pretty good?
1: Eh, it's It's half counter spells, half creatures, so I mean, most of the time it'll just be there.
2: You, you, and you like this more than, like, a merfolk shell?
1: Uh, uh, yes, yes and no, because there's a lot of decks where flying is better than island walk.
2: Fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, two of the top three archetypes, I think. And, um, yeah, it looks like uh, these lists were pretty cool. And you had some time off. Any of these lists surprising you here?
0: Yeah, wow, Illusions taking down a daily event. I never thought I'd see the day. Um, it's, it's a kind of, uh, interesting deck. I mean, the control package is really tight with the, the days, the force of will, the mental missteps and the spell pierce. Um, that, that's, you know, 16 counter spells right there which are, are gonna have a real big impact at the start of the game and, uh, they're all cheap, aggressively casted, um, counter control spells. Twelve and, and exactly exactly so they're going to be having an impact um, even when you you've tapped out to cast one of your um, mighty powerful illusion you can still counter something that's on the stack and and you can um, also have the ability to counter stuff um turn one on the draw so i love the fact that it's got a strong control element but the the wasteland's there as well and the strip mine to keep people off of the mana they need um, and 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 the, the the creature package um really really interesting choice I, I, I do wonder if the, if the deck wouldn't function better with um, just some good old tarmogoyfs and some, some um, dark confidants and more of a traditional creature package and splashing into other colours but um, there's a lot of consistency and synergy there with, the, with all those illusions and they, they come together um, and I guess really the deck shines because of the, the lack of spot removal in the format at the moment I guess that might change as um Lots of hate bear decks seem to be coming good as well, but yeah, who, who would ever have thought that we'd be seeing uh, all of these um, really low-powered illusions uh, hitting, hitting the, uh, off the time and uh, taking down the classic quarter league and now um, winning the daily events, so yeah, um, nod to Scorpio. I, I kind of feel that it's very similar to the Hermit Druid deck, um, in that people wrote it off as a bit gimmicky and uh, not really having the legs to compete, and it, it wasn't until Excorpio moneyed a few times with the deck that people started to take note and uh, and play it. And, and I'm sure Excorpio will return to the Hermit Druid deck. Um, I think he maybe just. Um, Began to acknowledge that people were reading his plays and, and knew to Mulligan aggressively into the into the dredge well graveyard hate, so it's um it's probably about time he, he jumped on a different bandwagon and for the foreseeable future it's um it's illusions all the way so how do you how do you go about combating this deck then George if if you're uh, going to be playing the next daily event and you're you're worried about Scorpio rocking up and uh, you, you fear the power of the turn One phantaz- bear. Well, you
1: can, you can do the one thing that all fish decks have a problem with and play dredge. Um, or you can actually start playing spot removal, which is not a bad idea since apparently, like, I don't know, somewhere in the vicinity of six or seven decks rely on small creatures now in each of the daily events.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that sounds, that sounds good. I mean, Nick Scorpio is packing some dredge hate in his sideboard there.
1: Yeah, but he's he's not going to win game one against a mediocre dredge deck. You know? Sure. And then and then game two and game three is where the real match begins when dredge brings in their sideboard hate for the hate that they bring in against dredge.
2: Yep. It looks like he's got the uh, requisite six spots in the sideboard, and I don't really want to understate how important it is that you have all this land destruction in a deck like this because of the top. Two, two of the top three archetypes are reliant on the rare power lands. Uh, you got Mishra's Workshop, and you have uh, Bizarre Baghdad. And both of those cards have dealt with quick. I mean, Dredge loses a lot if it only gets one Dredge off. It really does. Uh, you're playing draw, draw Go, Draw Go. I mean, yeah, you're Dredging six cards, but it's still Draw Go.
1: Yeah, and then to a lesser extent, there is Forbidden Orchard. But if they get it in play, they're going to give you a token.
2: Yeah, exactly. Um yeah, I mean that, that the deck looks cool and I think, you know, one of the one of the things you guys are gonna see moving forward is we're not gonna spend as much time on each deck and we're gonna try to just pick either uh two of the primary event or one of each of the corresponding events. And I think this week we had two events, right guys? Yeah, we, we made a
1: fire Saturday and
2: Sunday. Very awesome, very awesome. So uh Sunday was the twenty first. Andy you wanna take us through that one?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um so we, we again um, up we have a Slash Panther deck Run by the Crispy One And we also have a, a typical Oath of Druids deck um, Scorpio with his illusions again um, Showing that the deck really, really is stable in the environment And is uh, putting up the consistent numbers uh, We then have Wiffy Penguin And he's running a kind of Jacerator Volky um, deck with uh, main, main deck light, Lightning Bolt Which I, I'm, I'm very happy to see there's also a um, r- main deck Fire Scout in there There is, wow You are really gunning for those uh, hate bears In this, uh, this event That's And right. um, ra- rounding out The decks that hit the money, we've got um, Cat Weasel with a uh, stock Oath of Druids list um, So I guess looking over these lists um, For some innovation, given that we've um, Given that we've covered the Illusions deck I, I guess we should really concentrate on uh, The deck of the Penguin Hooray <laughs> So there we go, um I, I guess I'll make a first pass at it before handing over to to uh, Zach, and then I guess George can uh, can justify some of uh, some of our comments and uh, give him give us a, a pilot's eye view of it. So um, I, I like the look of uh, the creature package. Um, the the Trigon Predator and uh, Vendilion click seem highly relevant in the meta game. Um, I'm I'm really unsure about the power of uh, Maya Battlesphere, but I'm sure uh, I'm sure George will tell us why that's better than blight steel in this deck um tend to see Maya Battlesphere coming in when you've got kind of um dark confidence around and uh, where the life matters um but yeah Maya Battlesphere, i guess is is relevant in the workshop mirror what i love about this deck um is is the the lightning bolts and as george said the fire spout you know so george was really um done his homework realized that the hate bears were uh, crashing in at the moment and uh Thought he'd uh, shore up that matchup and um, bolt a few bears out of the out of the out of the environment. The <laughs> deck um, typically wins, I'm guessing, by the the Volkey combo. Um, got two the Seeker to find it, and um, three Jace the Mind Sculptor to manipulate the library and to bounce any problems. Um, the the spell that George really loves, Mental Misstep, has found a home in the deck as well, and um, a pretty solid sideboard as well um, with. The Goblin Welder being the, one of the most interesting, I guess, in the sideboard. So, Zach, uh, do you want to comment now, or should we let um, George uh, go over his deck in detail?
2: Um, I'd like to hear from George and see what he has to say, and i got some questions I'll ask afterwards.
1: Okay. All right, so um, I played on Saturday, and I believe I played Shoth. And then I was like, "Oh, you know what, I'm sick of losing to Hate Bears and i want to play lightning bolt but i want to play control so i kind of took a little bit of an example from the vintage champs i took a little bit of an example uh andy wrote about it a couple of uh, months ago the vintage control deck and i just i just wanted to be able to beat creatures so i jammed in the four lightning bolts i jammed in the fire stout and uh then there's just a lot of cards that I wanted to test out. That's why there's lots of twos and ones. Uh, one Goblin Welder in the sideboard. Uh, the Mer Battlesphere... is... Yes, Blightsteel Colossus attacks and wins fast. But one, there's Swords to Plowshares out of the hate decks. And two, Mer Battlesphere gives me five guys to block with. Um, other than that... I mean, re- the Vendillian Clicks I did not own. I borrowed them from Mr. Zaki-Poo. And continuing to test the deck, I've taken those Vendillian Clicks, turned them into Goblin Welders, and taken out one Tezzeret for a mind Slaver, And that makes Smurk's spirit even better.
2: Very cool. Yeah, so how how did your sideboard work in the event? Did you find yourself bringing in a lot of those singletons? Or?
1: Um... I mean, I, brought, I played against Illusions, which I lost to, which was unfortunate. He just drew the nuts. I played against the Bant deck, which I brought in the Fire Spout for. Uh, and I played against Oath, which I brought in the Pyroblast and Red Blast for. And then I split the last round with a clanmate who had to run, Endless Nameless.
2: Very cool, very cool. So, some of the questions I have for you are, what about that Library of Alexandria? Did that ever get active for you in, the, in testing or in the event?
1: Um, it ne- I mean, I played it. I, ne- I don't think I got to draw cards off of it. But the reason I wanted it was because a library against uh, workshops is pretty good. You just sit there and draw until you can get to your ancient grudge event an, or a trigon creditor.
2: Seems good. So, um, in regards to the Five Planeswalker package, did you ever match up against Oath at all, or Shop at all in this event? I did not. And if I had, I
1: would have taken out some of the Planeswalkers.
2: Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, in regards to the Singleton Instant Spells and Sorcery Spells, I, I like them, but I also wonder why no, uh, Mystical Tutors.
1: Um, Mystical Tutor, I mean, I guess the Jace the Mind Sculptors kind of take away the card disadvantage. But I'm not trying to win fast. I'm trying to win really, really slowly. And my matches took a long time. Um, And I just don't know if cramming in Mystical Tutors just to get my cards that Demonic Tutor, uh, Seal, and Vampiric get would have been all right.
2: Well yeah, and I, I agree with you for the most part. The one thing I'll say is in two particular matchups you up your consistency so high game one because you'd have two ancient grudges or or five counting the other tutors. And same with uh Fire Spout. So maybe in that illusions matchup that extra one might have helped a little bit too.
1: Yeah, and four lightning bolts might be too much for the main deck. Maybe three is better. I guess I could put a mystical tutor in that fourth bolt slot.
2: Yeah. I don't know. It looks really cool, though. I told you when you were telling me about it, I liked it a lot. i got to admit, I'm sad that you took out the Vendiclick, because that card, I've been playing it a lot in Legacy. and In particular matchups, obviously, it's amazing. If you know, somebody plays a show-and-tell or a uh, Stoneforge Mystic. But in Classic, I also thought it was kind of cool with all the rampant tutoring. You have somebody oh. tutor, and uh, you, you nail them in their upkeep. It can be pretty, pretty bombing.
1: It's good, and I did do that against uh, the the Oath of Druids deck. They tutored for something. I let them draw, it, and then I put it on the bottom of their deck. Um, I, I like Vendilion Click, but I don't have you know twenty eight dollars lying around to buy two. And I had Goblin Welders. I figured why not try out now.
2: Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, and you know, one of the last things I'll say about Vendiclick that I've learned lately, and and I'm actually kind of on the same train with you, thinking about trying them in in Classic is. You can also kill Chave from your hand. You have cards in here that are singletons that are going to be completely dead in some matchups. Absolutely. And, and you run uh, Vamp Tutor. So, end of turn, you can pull off some pretty crazy stuff with Vendiclick. Yeah, yeah it sure.
1: Even, and- it doesn't even need to be end of turn. If they play something dangerous, you can Vamp Tutor for a force of will and then put it in your hand with the click.
0: Exactly. And it's also a good way of getting your MyBats so back into your library to tinker it as well.
1: There's that, and, I mean, if nothing else, a three-powered Flyer is actually pretty good in the environment, as long as you're not fighting against the North of
2: It's a six-turn clock. I mean, it sounds like a lot, but people would be surprised how much longer these uh, these classic uh, matches go. But definitely, man. And when man-
1: you're, you're playing with, like, a blue control deck, you attack two
2: or three times, and then Lightning Bolt them to death. Yeah, That's cool. Yeah, I like Lightning Bolt. It's kind of like a dual roll. It kills Jace's and Tez's, too, which is nice. Yes. Yeah.
0: But it also kills uh goblins. <laughs> Gobl <laughs> not goblins, uh <laughs> golems.
2: <laughs> I was it kills- say, those <laughs> goblins are everywhere.
1: Lightning bolt is a deceptively powerful card in the format, especially right now when creatures mean so much.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah. I, I think I sort of said about Lightning Bolt back a few months ago And, it, you know, it, it can hit Jason the Mind Sculptor It can hit Lodestone Golem, And, uh, like you say, with the with the prevalence of the hate bears at the moment It has uh, double duty And uh, I'm, I'm glad to see someone picking it up and running with the uh, main deck
2: I will say, in response to that It's another reason Mental Misstep is awesome uh,
0: And you'll
1: notice... You'll notice I've got some mental missteps in there so that I can counterspell their mental missteps.
2: I do, I do, and I, I take special note of that, too. <laughs> so I would like
0: to... to see you run more Trigon Predators.
1: Um, I was thinking about running the third. I originally had the third in my sideboard, and I thought that I had enough uh, enough gas versus artifacts and oath of druids, so I put in a solar of Temptation.
2: Very cool. So, um... That, that's kind of a wrap-up for these two events, and we, we took a look this week at Illusions. And, George, what do you want to call your deck there, buddy?
1: Uh, well, this the version that's in the article I would like to call Clickerator.
2: Clickerator.
1: And then the version I'm working on now is uh, Welderator.
2: Welderator. You got it, dude. So those are those are the two decks we went over this week. So, yeah, this week we're going to uh, talk a little bit about um some of the comparative values that we have in one of the burgeoning formats right now, which is modern, and maybe some of the ways that you guys might be interested in uh, checking out a little bit of classic and what it could possibly do for you. So firstly, uh, we wanted to ask a question, which is, where do, you, where do you see classic fitting in the trinity of eternal formats? And by that I mean legacy, eternal, uh, legacy classic, and uh, modern. What about you, Andy? What do you think?
0: Well, Classic is going to be the big daddy. It's the place where you can do the broken things. Now, I, I love Modern. I've been playing it. It's a good format, and it's fresh, and it's different. But you'll notice that, that Waxi have taken quite a stance on, on Modern and in it's, and its kind of um, playability and its power level. Uh, they've banned a lot of the fast combos. You can still play combo effectively in the format. But things like uh, Glimpse of Nature and... Um, uh, and uh, Sorry, sorry, guys. Skip shit. Uh, yeah, um, uh, drop decks. That's right. All those kind of combos have, have been muted. So uh, naturally, modern is going to be an environment where you don't get to play busted turn one plays and and really cool combos. So in terms of the power level, classic is is where it's at. I mean, it's going to get trumped by vintage, obviously, but we still lack the power nine online. So for now, um, classic sits very much at the the top of the power. Power Pyramid, uh, being able to make really aggressive, busted plays and use all the cards which are currently online. And um, I think Classic has an important part to play in in the Eternal um, Pyramid there. Um, Being able to um, use any card is really kind of take-home message, being able to play Vampiric Tutors and uh, Demonic Tutors. And and I think, in a way, Classic is is really kind of skill-intensive because you don't only have the cards in your hand and the cards that are um, in play that are having an effect but you also have the library and the tutor effects and uh, being aware of, of what the targets are and how to play that out can be quite complex so I, I, I see Classic as being um, kind of here to stay and uh, hopefully won't be impacted too heavily by, by modern coming
2: online And you George what do you think?
0: Alright so
1: Obviously, if you look at the ban list of modern... Um, R&D has sculpted what they want the format to be. And they want this format to be all about attacking and blocking.
2: You could say uh, they mind-sculpted the format.
1: They, they mind-sculpted this format. They do <laughs> not want combo. The most... I mean, I'm sure that someone at the Pro Tour next week will come out and be like, look at this gross combo deck that I made. But right now, right. as far as I know, Hive Mind is the best combo
0: deck. Oh. Well, there is a... Not a combo, sorry, I was going to say, it's not a combo deck, but there is a deck which has a really nice set of combinations in it. It's um, a deck which uses counters, um, such as Wall of Roots, and then that uses the, the card from Zendikar, uh, where creatures can't have counters on them. Okay. And so, basically, you play a lot of Persist creatures and a lot of wall of roots um to get free mana and it's just kind of completely busted mini combo within a really. well see i deck.
1: i would i would uh i would classify that as like a, a rock style mid-range deck I'm no, not really a combo I you're not either. you're not throwing out all the stuff that you're like all right i win on turn four because i assembled the five cards i needed no no absolutely Um, But yeah, so they banned the hell out of all the combo decks. They banned everything that makes Control good. Um, Mental Misstep. There is actually a great article on Star City Games by Drew Levin about Mental Misstep and why it should be banned in Legacy and unbanned in Modern. And I agree with him one million percent. How are Control decks supposed to compete with Wild Macattles when... They take three life off of their first land, playing a fetch land into a shock land. And they can't mental misstep that, uh, that while in the cattle. The best counter spells that Control has are Remand, leak, and Rune Snag. And they don't interact until turn two. If you lose the role, Zoo has, like, two or three guys on the board by then.
2: And? Uh, And... These are the exact reasons why if I'm gonna pick one of the three besides classic, I'm totally gonna to pick Legacy because it shouldn't be a problem. You do not need to play a stupid fifty dollar two damage wannabe tropical island. So I and then worry about it and say, Hey, I lost three life, this isn't fair, I want a mental misstep. Just play the damn real thing. Play you know, play play a good land, play mental misstep, play the best card. It's, it's silly, it's supported heavily by Star City Games, and I hate this still. But that's just me being anticlimactic.
1: So, I mean, me personally, I view Modern at the bottom, because uh, I like to play games of Magic without creature interaction, or very little creature interaction. And then, obviously, Legacy is the next step up, and they have sculpted the ban list where they're alright with, like, turn two or three wins. And then, like, obviously, you know, their turn one wins happen. It's not the norm, but it does happen. And creatures are the least important card type in the format.
2: Yeah, okay, so on my shot at this question, I'll say it like this. I've, I've already let my disdain for modern be known, but I like the way that the respective banned and restricted lists are handled in legacy and classic because legacy they've shown they're a lot more likely to... Um, Keep the format in check. When they ban Mystical Tutor and the Reanimator builds, um, they 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 show a lot of restraint as far as letting a, letting something dominate a format, figuring out what's really going to happen, and then usually banning the best card in that. You know, like Survival was an obvious; they had to ban Survival. It was taking over everything, and nothing else could compete. Um, still, you know, to this day, I, I like the way they handle it. Whereas Classic is. Totally different. Classic's cool because they let everybody figure out for themselves what the best parts of this format are. Um, nothing's gonna get banned preemptively unless it's like just blatantly obvious, need to be restricted, like Tularian Academy when came out and uh, even Vampiric Tutor, we used to be able to play with four of that. I mean
1: Yeah, pretty much the only things that they've auto restricted are the mana accelerants and Ah, uh, jeez. Is there anything else besides a mana accelerant that was automatically restricted? No. Time Vault.
2: Okay, yeah, Time Vault was. Um, Everything else we've gotten to play with for oh, at least bond. a couple of months. Fast Bond.
1: Fast, fast Bond is a mana accelerant. Well,
2: yeah, but I think it's a combo piece more than that.
1: Well, sure, it combos with Gush, but what does it do? It lets you play more mana.
2: Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, even we got Yogg Bargain, and we got cool stuff like that, so... We'll kind of let you guys take with that what you will, but you know, if you if you have modern stuff, it, it's kind of neat to see the prices compared to classic because it actually is starting to make classic look more affordable by comparison. Which I sounds am crazy. pretty
1: sure that your average classic deck will be cheaper than your average. All right, your average blue control classic deck, it might be a little bit more expensive than modern because it's got four force of wills, but other than that, it's cheaper than modern and legacy. Classic is probably the cheapest eternal format.
2: To be fair, that's a big other than that, because that is four hundred and five hundred bucks. So but yeah,
1: yeah, agreed. Yeah, but if your if your blue modern control deck costs, let's say, seven hundred and fifty dollars, and your classic blue control deck costs a thousand dollars with four force of wills, that seems like a pretty big difference or a pretty small difference.
2: Agreed, agreed. And I think that's kind of like a great way to seg us into our next question here. We wanted to, uh, we wanted to know what is modern's effect on classic financially like. Do you guys see modern uh, affecting some of the cards that we have now?
1: Uh, yeah, I see it going both ways. I mean, look at Dark Confidant. Dark Confidant was for a long time five dollars, and then like last extended season when he was part of the Dark Depths deck, I think he got up to like fifteen, and then he dropped back down to about maybe ten, and now he's way up there at twenty-five.
2: Yeah, he, it's it's not. and I think we'll we'll focus on the cards that are modern and classic playable a little bit more in a second, but. What do you think about the cards that are classic only? Have you noticed a dip or a rise in any of those?
1: I would be surprised if classic only cards started rising, and not surprised even a little bit if they started to drop in price.
2: Yeah, I I can see the same thing because you got to think those modern players are coming from somewhere. I know they're not coming from classic per se. You know, we have a pretty small pool of people, uh, hundred or less total, but. Um, yeah, I, I could see some of the people who have those cards selling those off to to uh, afford some of the modern staples they may see themselves needing. What about you, Andy?
0: Yeah, I agree with that. Um, Dark Confidant is, is one one really good example, and it's really hard to sort of predict how, how the finances are going to play out here, because, I mean, you've got a completely different mana base. Um, what I could see happening is Force of Will actually decreasing in price, because people can sell their $600 worth of Force of Will or $500 of Force of Will and pretty heavily invest into Modern and buy into Modern and um, buy buy that kind of control deck that that George was talking about. So I can see there being kind of pluses and minuses here with some cards gaining and some losing.
1: Well, I'll also say that with Modern as a new format and from the Daily Event result, a popular format, we are taking off some of the demand for these classic-only cards And so they're naturally going to start decreasing in price when the bots are trying to get rid of them.
2: Yeah. Well, you got to (laughs) hope. Some of these bots are surprisingly resilient.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I mean, Wasteland... Wasteland is not a $45 card. It, it's The price is set by the box.
2: Well, it's, uh, honestly, I hate to say this. It's more than a $45 card if you really want to get into it. Because look at how much it is in real life. And look at how limited... I think there are way less copies online than there are in real life. Way uh, less. I don't. What? How I many don't. years was Tempest out in, in stores all across the world? Two. Tempest, yeah, has
1: been I... out, Tempest has been out online for like four years.
2: Yeah, but you can't just go buy buy them in the shop at any time you want
1: no you can but i mean they do their their every couple of months the tse drafts and i would not be surprised if we got like roughly 10 or so wastelands every day during those drafts
2: oh yeah well 10 or so every day is nothing though some shops were opening 10 or so a day you know by themselves
1: yeah, but that was, that was four years ago or uh, that was like 15 years ago when Tempest came out and it was only on sale for two years. The thing about uh, Magic Online is that Tempest is going to be on sale for as long as Magic Online is on sale every couple of months.
2: But the surprising difference in that scenario you're saying is when Tempest was available in the stores everybody wanted it. Yeah, we know that it's worth a lot of money but people who play standard only they were buying it back then and they're not buying it today.
1: Well, this is true, and also when Tempest was available to buy directly from the store, you could get wastelands for five dollars
2: yeah, I agree so what do you think, Andy How, which one do you think has more I, I
0: think there's probably more online um, just because it's um, well I, I think the question is I think there 's probably more fluid copies online, and that really is the advantage of the, of the online environment is that Cards can change hands very easily, and they don't get stored in shoeboxes in, in people's cupboards and forgotten about. And uh, um, I guess they get stored on the bots at $50, and no one wants to buy them. But um, I, I would be very surprised if there wasn't more copies on online than there is in paper. I'm
1: kind
2: of uh, surprised. You make,
1: a, you make a good point with the liquidable copies, because... I have four wastelands. If I really, really needed something with the wasteland money, I could sell them, buy the cards I needed, and then sell the cards that I needed to get back my wastelands. And if I'm savvy about it, I'll do it for no uh, loss. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Whereas you can't do that in paper.
2: Well, you know, again, I think you guys seg perfectly into the next and final question regarding modern and classic, which is what classic cards... Might you want to sell now and rebuy later? Um, and to start that conversation, I have a great example. And I don't remember exactly who it was, but there's someone the other day on the Classic Quarter Forums who said, hey, I'm considering selling my Tarmogoyfs and I buying I think that a was garden. Max Steel. Yeah, it oh, was Oh, yeah. Okay, so it was Max Seal. He, he was saying, he was thinking about selling his uh, Tarmogoyfs and turning them into forcewoods. And it sounds crazy even now to me because Forcible has always been so much uh, more expensive. You know, from every vantage point possible there, you know, it's, it's an amazing card. It's something that you need in Legacy and Classic. Um, and he turned those Tarmogoyfs, what was the amount he had to put in after he got the Tarmogoyfs?
1: I believe he sold his four Goyfs for like 365 or 385
2: Three eighty-five. Okay. So that's basically three Force of Wills.
1: Plus. Three Force of Wills plus.
2: Yeah, three Force of Wills on like 40 tickets. So you got like an $80 difference to get four Force of Wills from four Tarmogoyves. That's that's pretty amazing to think about. And you know what? You
1: don't need Tarmagoip to play in Classic. Even the green-white decks are starting to cut it.
2: Yeah, I mean, as far as a beater though, it's it's probably one of the best things you can do. But if you need that, you're probably not going to be playing classic anyway. You're probably going to be in legacy. Um,
1: it's the it's the second best guy in the in the game, right behind Bob.
2: I'd say they're pretty interchangeable in, in legacy and in classic. Bob for sure. Um, yeah, I mean. It, it's, it's, what, what, what other cards do you guys think people should uh, p- consider speculating on for classic from uh, modern?
0: Well, one, one way of looking at this is to... I know we're looking at classic versus modern, but we also have to um, concentrate on legacy as well. So if we assume that modern is going to really take off and snowball and start really gaining momentum, then I think the, the format that will suffer the most will actually be legacy. I think people will move from legacy to modern. I don't think modern necessarily appeals to the kind of classic vintage quarter who like to play the broken kind of spells. But uh, I maybe, see, maybe a small percent, but I agree with you. We will lose more legacy players to modern than classic players. So if I'm looking to sell cards, which I think may go down in value, I would be more interested in looking at the cards which were having a real high impact in legacy at the moment, but won't actually have any value for modern, i.e. they're not, they're not actually... Um, eligible for, for mo- the modern format and predict that maybe Legacy is going to start to slow down so the card prices in Legacy will also slow down and it might be an opportunity to sort of um, hedge those cards, sell them now and rebuy them back later once the, um, the heat has come out of Legacy I think, I think Legacy has been very popular recently and as a result of that a lot of the prices have have overinflated on some of those cards yeah, um,
1: And I also, I also don't think that this is the kind of question that has a black and white issue. Because, I mean, let's take me for example. I have Tarmogoyfs that I could sell. Um, but I, I like to use my Tarmogoyfs. I also have Force of Wills that I could sell. And realistically, one or both of these cards will eventually be put into a From the Vault, a Dual Dex, a Reprint. Something, something will happen where these two cards will become available again.
0: Yeah, I believe that that Wizards will find a way to get Tarmogoyf back into the system. Modern is their new project, and they are going to want to see it succeed, and they are going to want to find a way to limit cards getting to the crazy prices that have have caused card availability issues in format. Now, I know people argue that Wizards don't get involved in the secondary market, but I, I do believe that they're going to want to keep the price Contained on modern cards And we've discussed off air How it's very likely that the uh, Ravnica Dual Lands will return And and I do believe that any card Which gets into that realm of $100 Is going to see a reprint Just purely on the financial basis Uh, It's not good for the format when you start Having cards which are unattainable And and costing that kind of value So I I wouldn't be surprised to see Tarmoglade Come back, I think of will I'm not sure, I mean I think if we were going to See that we would have seen it by now I'm, um, I'm not
1: I'm not so sure I mean they they definitely did just put a brand new art force of will in the legacy champs and absolutely I, I would not be surprised to see that in a future uh sealed uh, deck product of some kind
2: yeah that, if they had that that would go gangbusters the problem is if they did that like somebody said somewhere um There's a limit in real life and there's no limit in online. And until that price for whatever time it was got below the cost of that set, people would buy an ungodly amount of them. Does that make sense?
1: You know what? what? If they produced a thirty dollar box set that had Force of Will in it and Force of Will dropped to I don't know, like med ones dropped to fifty and the box set version is twenty five, I would be absolutely fine
0: with that. Oh yeah. Also, also would happen though is it would make, make the formats where Force of Will was eligible um, readjust its financial pricing structure and other cards would rise in value to compensate as more people decide to buy into the format. Absolutely. If you've
1: got like let's say let's say this scenario happens and we all of a sudden have like a thousand new players who can play with Force of Will, they've got to buy a thousand sets of dual lands, so the dual lands will rise because Force of Will is cheap.
2: Yeah, I mean the other thing is not just dual lands. You also got fetch lands. You got wasteland. You got amazing parts of these decks that you cannot substitute other cards with. You know what I'm saying? Yeah,
1: so I mean, Force of Will might drop in price, but then all of a sudden your other staples are going to rise to make up the difference.
2: Yeah, the market would adjust itself accordingly. I agree I agree fully. So you know it's kind of it's kind of interesting to talk a little bit about modern on the financial aspect and how it's going to uh, affect the other formats. And uh, I wanted to talk real quick about the uh, the classic league that's going on right now. So right now, M Mogs doing season two of the uh, the classic league. And did you guys both enter? I did.
0: I, I didn't. I've been taking a bit of a break from Co. last month. Um, took a step down from the podcast and uh, just took a, a back seat from Classic for uh, for a while. So I decided to duck out of uh, of season two.
2: Very cool. Very cool. Well, um, one of the things I did was for the first time I recorded my. First, we've we've we're basically in round two right now. Um, a lot of people are finished, including me and. Uh, I, for once, I recorded my games, and I really have nowhere to put them, so I'm going to put them in this article. And uh, Hopefully you guys can see a little bit of the interactions that go on in Classic. Maybe you can see some games that you normally wouldn't see. Feel free to let me know how horrible I am. I can take it like a man. Um, right now I'm 2-0. I played uh, Bat Goods and Dredge round one, and I played against um, Nosferatu Stuff. And he is playing a shop deck in round two. And I was running the thing that I talked about recently, I don't know how many episodes ago, Shoth with a couple changes. I think we talked about it last week. And, uh, yeah, I'll put a link to the deck list, and you can see the matches and let me know what you think. Uh, Georgie, how you been doing so far, buddy?
1: Oh, terrible. I owe two drops.
2: Oh, God. Jeez. What, what'd you play against and What'd you play
1: Uh, I was playing the Storm deck that I played in the open with some minor tweaks. Um, I'm not sure if we talked about it last week, but I played against Green-White-Hate in round one. Uh, I made a mistake in game one, and then I just got murdered in game two. And then in round two, I played against uh, Naoto with... I think he was running some kind of Gush control build. It was definitely blue. It was definitely control. And... Game one was a back and forth affair. He had, he kept the bad hand. I couldn't draw the mana to take advantage of it. And then in game two, I tried playing the Force of Will game and I lost. I went all in and he had the Force of Will.
2: Oh, that's no boy now.
1: And, uh, I mean, I had just, I, the only reason that I would have stayed in the event at 02 is so that I could record the matches and show it to the public. But I just, I just did an eight round event with that deck, so. I decided to save myself some heartbreak and anguish. I've also decided that I cannot be playing these games at 3 o'clock in the morning after I've worked for 9 hours and had a couple of drinks.
2: Yeah, I'll tell you, that's one of the main things for me, and I think it's helped a lot. Um, usually with these kind of events, I'm totally fine to play it while you know I'm at work on a break or something like that. And if the guy's online, I'll just throw on and, and, and do it. Whereas this time, I recorded it, and recording for me is a little bit different. I sit there and I really go through my plays on, you know, on camera, and, and I find myself spending more time than I I'll, I'll rush through a game a lot of the time, and I'll make a lot of misplays, not even think about it. And if I take, you know, some time and, and I record it, I, I, it was kind of cool. I think I talked to you about one of the scenarios was when I had uh, – I was playing against Adrian. I think it was game three, and I had um, – He was Dredge, and I was Shoth, and I had in my hand, I had a a Forbidden Orchard and a Duel on the table. And in my hand, I had Demonic Tutor and Oath of Druids. And I also had a blue card in my hand. I don't remember what it was. Maybe a Mystical or something like that, but nothing I really needed right then. And talking through it on the camera, I said, I think instead of playing this Oath of Druids, I'm going to wait a turn, give him an extra token, and Demonic Tutor for a Force of Will, and play it tight. And I did that, and it turned out he had the Nature's Claim. So it was really the right play, and it saved my butt, because I guarantee you I would have lost that game if I didn't play it like that.
1: Yeah, I remember you telling me about that, and I was like, that seems like a good line and something that, you know, you're playing against Dredge. They're a non-interactive deck, and sometimes you forget that they do have, like, four Nature's Claims and three mares and two Chain of, uh, chain of Vapors post-sideboard.
2: Yeah, exactly, yeah. So, I mean, obviously I also had to get pretty lucky. I mulliganed to, uh, actually, I don't even think I mulliganed. I think I got ley lines in my starting seven on both. Um, He did have a lot of removal for those ley lines, so I'm got. I. glad I was running the four middle missteps. I've talked before about how those are good against Dredge, and it's even more so after board.
1: I think middle misstep might be the best in the format against Dredge because if you can protect your ley line, you can't win.
2: Yeah, if you can protect your ley line it's 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 a great card. So yeah, misstep and force of will, and even um, to be honest, I mean, if you're if you're game two and you're on the play, I don't really hate on if you want to keep your duresses in there against them because they actually can be decent
1: yeah i'm not i'm not a big fan of leaving discard in against dredge you never know you might accidentally have to discard something that they want in their graveyard
2: yeah but i mean the worst you can do really is like a dredge return a cabal therapy or a uh, uh from below yeah exactly so I- any of those you know it's not a killer usually but yeah agreed um anyway guys check that out let me know what you think um that's about it for me for this week you guys have anything else you want to add
0: um, I'll just come in with something that's going to get edited out. What I liked about the previous podcast was that you talked about a deck which wasn't on the classic radar and talked about how you could make it like, like Flash and how you could get it back into t- the kind of winning ways. And I wondered if that should be like a weekly th- feature, like kind of uh, Tech of the Week or uh, Fringe. Well, I, I mean- Fringe Deck of the Week or New Idea of the Week or...
1: I do I do have an idea that I want to see if people can work on, so we can, so do I. We can throw that in there. <laughs> All right.
2: Yeah, I'll right, what's yours? This week. Go for it, guys.
1: Uh, Mine is Trinket Mage. I think Trinket Mage might okay. be really good
0: right now. Okay. Oh, well, Mine was Elves Combo.
1: Oh, uh, you know what? I've been wanting to play Elves Combo for a long time. Right,
0: and the, the reason is, right, against shop, the Elves give you mana to kind of get the sphere effects. You've got blockers against some of the aggro decks you've got a pretty fast clock um maybe a turn slower than the kind of storm combo decks and people aren't going to be expecting it yeah all right so let's let's throw that in there
2: well here i'm going to be the antagonist in both cases because that's what i like to do uh, okay <laughs> I'm going to tell you, your Elves' idea against uh, shop sounds great until you realize they're running Chalice of the Void. And Chalice of the Void, which is a really common play with those builds, including the Null Shop builds, is going to absolutely murder you. I mean, you almost, you almost don't have an out to it. You could maybe wait for artifacts or for like a Crosan grip, but by that time you can't play Elves and you don't have three mana. and you, they, have, they have a couple spheres out. Well,
1: you can also build your deck with Viridian uh, uh You could do the green enchantment that's on the table and blows up artifacts and enchantments.
2: Uh, well, I, I agree two. with you, but don't forget they're running spheres, so all those cards are going to cost like five or six mana. That's okay. I'll just board in Seeds of Innocence. <laughs> 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 so there's that, and then I would also say against Oath, that would be... Yeah, I Oath of Druids
1: would be the
2: tough one. Oath would be, yeah, it'd be really, really, really rough.
1: Although I will say that against Oath of Druids, unless they throw a turn one or turn two uh, Oath of Druids down, you have the time to beat their face in with Elves.
2: You you can beat their face in, and Elves with Earthcraft, which is banned in Legacy, is ridiculous. I mean, you can absolutely get some amazing amounts of mana. I agree with that.
1: And Earthcraft is another way to get around uh, Chalice of the Void. Throw a scroll Nest on your land, and boom, infinite guys.
2: Yep, yep. So that sounds cool. And as far as Trinket Mage, uh, what matchups do you want it for? I just,
1: like, Trinket Mage is a tutor with legs. And you can get Scentsy Top, you can get uh, Chrome Mox, Lotus Petal, Mana Crypt, Soul Ring. Oh, no, I guess you can't get uh, Chrome Mox and Mana Crypt. But you can get Soul Ring, you can get Voltaic Key. Um, you could go get Niall Spellbomb to screw with the Yolgmoth's Will and Dredge. I feel like there are a lot of a lot of things that you can get. Oh, you can go get uh, engineered explosives. You can get zero drops with it; it's one or less.
2: Yeah, you, can you get, could get Demoxes.
0: You could get Lions Eye Diamond for um, you could get you could get
1: Lions Eye Diamond for Bomberman. I feel like with Oath of Druids on the decline right now. Which it definitely is. I mean, we've got a couple placing here and there, but it's not, it's, it's not like it was months ago where people were jamming into the events with six Oath decks and three were making the money. It's like two or three people playing Oath now, and the green-white decks are doing a good job of putting them in the Lush's Bracket.
2: Yeah, and, and I, I guess the one kind of a shell that I could imagine Trinket Mage in would be like Drain Decks. And maybe there I, I could see it working, but other than that, you're looking at cards that you're competing at the three-drop spot with, which are really good for what they do. Uh, it's the show-and-tells of the world, the Yawgmoth, uh Wills of the world. I mean, the three-drop spot is super competitive, and, like, Trigon Predator r- runs a dual role. Um You got to make sure it's it's the right fit with three mana and a you know a two two body. I like the tutor and everything, but you gotta you gotta make sure you got the three mana first, which scares me off a little bit.
1: I I agree with you, and I'm not saying let's throw four trinket mages in a deck, but like uh, the deck that I played, I could very easily have tried out trinket mage as a one or two of in uh, the Vendelian click slot if I couldn't have gotten them from you. Yeah. Another really interesting card that uh, our clanmate Montolio. Is Azorius Guildmage? What a what a techie card!
2: Yeah, I, I like Azorius Guildmage a lot. Um, that countering a triggered ability is really so, good.
1: For anyone who doesn't know, Azorius Guildmage is a two-two for either white slash blue and white slash blue mana. Um, and what it does is for white and two. You can tap a creature, so all of a sudden you've contained everything in Oath of Druids. And for blue in a two, you can Stifle.
2: And that might sound, not sound like much. You're thinking three mana for a Stifle. You're talking about a repeatable process that stops things like Oath triggers themselves. It stops fetch lands. It stops uh, Time Vault. It stops Jace. It, it stops it, Wasteland. It's ridiculous. It's good.
1: And and these fish decks, they're playing Noble hierarch. Some of them are playing Birds of paradise. They have the three mana.
2: Yeah.
1: And on top of everything else, Azorius Guildmage taps down the opposing blockers in the
0: mirror matches.
2: Yeah, I agree.
0: That Sounds cool. really cool. So there we go. That's the tech section. We bring you an uh, elf combo. We bring you... Azuria guild mage, and we bring you trinket mage. The other thing about the, uh, the elf combo is that you can obviously run skull clamping, classic. Oh, so that's against, delicious. So against both against the druids, you could just make sure you uh, clamp your elf before you pass a turn, draw some cards, and then get ready to all busted the next turn.
2: Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that's uh, some stuff to think about here. And uh, love to hear in the feedback, guys, before we wrap up. Anything you thought about the show, whether you like the format a little bit more, whether you uh, didn't like it, you prefer us expounding more on the decks again. Um, Yeah.
0: And if there's any topics you'd like us to um, go over in the next uh, couple of episodes, uh, drop us a line as well, and uh, we'll, we'll do our best to discuss those points for you. Oh, yeah,
1: we're, we're still tinkering with this, so, I mean, don't take this as canon. We will probably change up the way that we do it next week, too.
2: And uh, before I forget, I also wanted to thank Naoto for, uh, or was it Naoto? Who was it? It was uh, Tarmatog, who for who posted a flash list in our um, last article there. That was pretty cool, and we, we re- I really appreciate that. I'm going to put that together and play with it, bud. Thank you. I'm I also pretty sure that he is Naoto, yeah. Okay, Cool. So, Andy, before I forget, I wanted to give a big thanks to uh, M. Mog, who helped us out a lot this week in regards to uh, some of his suggestions with uh, some private conversations between me and you. So thanks, M. Mog.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you very much, Michael. And uh, you've done a great job in organizing the, uh, the Player Run League as well. So um, great feedback and um, good to see people caring and being passionate about Classic and wanting to see various mechanisms uh, succeed to support the format.
2: So, uh, yeah, Andy, you want to wrap us up here, buddy? Missed you. Yep.
0: <laughs> it's been <laughs> good to be back, and uh, hopefully we can, uh, we can jiggle up this uh, podcast over the next few months and find a winning formula. Um, we'd like to to thank our sponsors once more, um, mtgotraders.com, com for uh, for hosting us as well. And we'll be um, in seven, guys. Thank you. See you, guys.
1: Have a good one.